cult podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence, and it's not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Cult Podcast or Twitter at Cult Podcast Show for show updates. And please rate and review the show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. Marie Bella over here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and we've got Mondo on the soundboard. Hello! <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> um, so today we are covering... Synanon. 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 So this is a cult that I actually started researching before R. Kelly. Oh, this has been a long time in the making. This a long time in the making. And I thought I had my outline complete until literally a story came out this week. Wow. And I, I had to go and add a bunch of stuff to it. This, this is a fun one. So this has been a well-documented cult. So there's a lot of information in the news. There's a lot of articles. There's been a few books written about it, but a lot of them were written. There there are various periods in this cult where at one point this cult was not only widely accepted in society, but considered beneficial. So there are some books that are written from the time at which it was considered beneficial, and then some books written afterwards about people who had to escape. So it's pretty interesting, actually. Uh, Synanon started out as an Alcoholics Anonymous group led by a guy named Chuck Diedrich in 1958. Chuck was an alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah. We're not supposed to know about it. It's anonymous. Oh, right. But he was was an alcoholic. He was. um, He thought LA, he thought A was great. Uh, but then took LSD, our favorite, our favorite, comes up on every fucking episode. Michelle, if you're listening to this on LSD. Is that your friend? (laughs) That always listens to our episodes on LSD? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Michelle. (laughs) Yes, Michelle. Also, look behind you. (laughs) We're talking directly to you. Okay. This is live. (laughs) Cute sweater. (laughs) She's probably wearing a sweater. It's Missouri. It's <laughs> cold as hell. Um, so he, he he took LSD and decided that he was going to come back and revamp AA because he believed it could do more than it was currently doing. So I feel like AA is pretty effective. It is. I, I would say it's very effective. That's why it's still around. Yeah. Um, part of the reason that he decided to do what he did, and it's one of those cults that starts out with good intentions and then gets real fucking bad. That happens. Yeah, it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So at the time in 1958, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, NA, did exist, but they didn't meet very often. They weren't very organized. There weren't a lot. I mean, go, go figure. <laughs> like, thank, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, I was wondering if Synanon was going to have anything to do with Synanon. So, for those of you listening, Armando just pulled up a meme, meme that's the Cinnabon logo. You made it? Oh my god. Armando just made a meme. That's How'd you make it? It takes me like an hour and a half to do our fucking Instagram posts where we're like, hey guys, new episode is live. You did that right now. <laughs> what the fuck? In like two minutes. Oh man. Uh, he took the Cinnabon logo and added an N to it. So it was Cinnanon. That's not how it's spelled, but 
I like it. Close enough. We'll post that. Anyway, uh, the current landscape for uh, treatment for addiction to narcotics in 1958 was sparse at best. You didn't have a lot of options. Many of the treatments were similar to what they would do for people who had like mood and emotional disorders, which didn't necessarily serve the same purpose. No. He decided he was going to start his own version of treatment. So he originally called it the Tender Loving Care Group. Um, He's said to have coined the phrase, today is the first day of the rest of your life, which is a super famous phrase, but he is said to have been the first, and like many people. I don't know if I buy that. You know, I didn't either, except that it kept coming up. Like even Alcoholics Anonymous attribute that phrase to him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about this. I know. And do research. I mean, I can't just think about it and right, decide. Right, right. Yeah. I no. need to back up my <laughs> well, there was decision. Like, when I went to Graceland and they were like, this is Elvis's motto, taking care of business in a flash. And I was like, I don't think he's the first person to ever say that. Like, yeah. 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 This has a lot of parallels to 12 tribes or Yellow Deli as, as we've talked about in that it started out with teenagers, basically him opening his home to... Teenagers with drug addictions, teenagers who were runaways, teenagers who uh, had alcohol addiction, and trying to treat them. Now, here's a problem with that. It was good in one sense because he gave these kids things that they didn't have at home, uh, like a place to stay or love, uh, but bad in the sense that he was not trained at all in any sort of psychiatry, psychology, behavioral therapy. He was just a drunk guy with a dream. So, oh, yeah, I meet a lot of those. <laughs> just a former just alcoholic out with and ideas. About the city. Yeah, you, you know. know. Um, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> Mondo's waiting. like Armando, <laughs> a- another drunk man with ideas. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you've ever like listened to a drunk person's business plan. I, like, don't go along with that. You know, they're a little all over the place. Just a little bit. I feel like this is another one of our, like, rules to live by, where it was like, don't trust people who don't got windows. Yes. And, and don't listen to drunk people's plans. Drunk people's business plans. Business plans. If their plans are to find nachos, right. go with that plan. Those are plans you can follow. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to hurt anybody. You're not no. going to lose years of your life to a controlling organization. Except it might hurt you. Did you see those articles if, like oh, a month or so ago that everybody was getting, she like... She died from nacho cheese yeah, poisoning. She, and a veteran. I don't know if he ended up dying or not, but no, he was hospitalized I, I, I from the nacho lived. cheese. Well, and it was gas station nachos. You can't do gas station nachos. I fucking love gas station nachos. I was I used to be all about the 7-Eleven nachos. Yes, those are the, yes. But, you know. Here's a a fun fact. You get the the hot Cheetos, and then you ask, hey man, can I put some chili in these? And they'll always let you. (laughs) Really? Game changer. Nacho cheese and chili. That sounds like the fastest way to an ass explosion I have ever heard in my life. It's my business plan. Do they? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to do you one better. You can thank me for this later. Uh, go to a 7-Eleven. Mm. Buy a bag of nacho cheese Doritos. Mm-hmm. Go to Chipotle. Ooh. Order a burrito. Do not order chips. Fuck their $3 chips. But I Put, like those chips. I know. <laughs> Put the nacho Doritos, or the yeah, the nacho cheese Doritos in the burrito. How do you fucking know that? 
Um, because one time <laughs> Chipotle was out of chips and I had to get to the comedy store, but I was starving and there was a 7-Eleven and I was like, 7-Eleven's got to have corn chips. One corn chip is as good as the next. And the only one they had was nacho cheese Doritos. And I was like, this is going to have to be it. And then I took like one bite because I put chips in my burrito as I'm eating it. Okay. Like I took one bite and I was like, oh, this is the best decision I've ever made. Wow. It was so delicious. Wow. It'll kill you. Right. But back to things that'll kill you. So this cult. <laughs> Synanon. Totally kill you. Um, so he eventually changed the name to Synanon so that it didn't single itself out as being for alcoholics or people with addiction, but that it could help everyone. Okay. So. What's the sin? Synergy I in. I think it's synergy. In addiction? Yeah. Okay. Or it could be kind of a portmanteau of, I mean, I think maybe it's supposed to be kind of like sin, like S-I-N, but without a religious connotation. Oh. So that it's like all vice, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it was progressive for the time, there were little to no other treatment options for non-alcoholic addicts at the time. Um, we would find them their methods today extremely problematic. Like, mm. way super terrible. Uh, their method was essentially tough love and nothing but tough love all day, every day. Uh, so here's a quote by the leader for why he started Synanon. It says, Synanon came into existence because our society is composed of mama's boys and daddy's little girls who've been inundated by attempts to produce nothing but agreeable sensations in them. Character disorders, quite simply, are people who, who had too strong a dose of mother love and were never properly housebroken by fathers. Don't follow a drunk man's business plan. Don't follow a drunk man's business plans. No, let's hear him out. No. <laughs> No. So uh, by the 1960s, Synanon had become a kind of alternative community, a bit of a rehab commune where you had people from all different kinds of addictions living together in his home. Uh, it was a, basically a large house in Santa Monica. Uh, there was a movie made about it. It was in Santa Monica? It was in... Oh, Trust me, this is about to get real close to home. Oh, we can go visit the site of. There. I'm like that shit is down the street. Yeah, yeah. I I was gonna try and get there and then work got in the way. But so there is a movie about it. I'm gonna drop the trailer in because it's old enough that we can get away with fair use. Oh, um, but we should watch it. Oh, okay. Synanon is a real corporation. Its business is junkies. Chuck Dietrich is the ex-drunk who dreamed it up and fights to keep it from becoming a nightmare. Get out of that car and shut up. Stand over there. Put your hands against the wall. Get in that cell and stay there. But nobody tells me what to do. Then, the ex-con with the killer's fist tensed so tight for a fix they bleed. Look, Betty, I don't make scenes with chicks because I've got other things on my mind. Joni doll face with a deadly expensive appetite what are you my nurse no just another dope fame zanky the hip hophead up from the gutter to grab anything he could get you are a liar you're a chick you smell like a chick you act like a chick i bet you Tastes like a chick. 
The guy who knows every trick an addict can pull. He used them all himself. Your husband doesn't make enough money to support both your habits, you and your boyfriend. So you go into business. What kind of business, Johnny? Then one day, a friend of your husband's was a client of yours. No, I didn't, okay? I didn't, I didn't! Betty bought her kicks the hard way, two bucks at a time. I was what they call a swinger. I did nothing but get high and sold myself to pay for it. You love Zanke? Yes. I need him. You need him like you need a fix. I want you to stay. You want me to stay so you can get next to Joni. Big brother. Who's dying to get her in the sack. And we're back. So, thoughts after seeing the... Oh, the I'm about that. I need to see that today. <laughs> it looks like a film noir. Yes. And yeah. like you said, it looks kind of like Hitchcock, Rear Window. I'm into that. Yeah. It's 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 a very cool looking movie about addicts. Yeah, I want to see it. It's super great. I want to uh, be in it. Now that you guys have seen the trailer, I'll let you know that it was filmed on location with full cooperation of the rehab facility. Ooh, I like that. So that was the house, basically. That you oh, saw. that's cool. All all of those locations are the Synanon house. Yes. Um, I think the problem with it, and it's something we'll see kind of as we get through, they make it look cool. Don't you want to be in that house? That's what though? I just say. I want to be in that movie. Yeah. But like, I want to live that. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So the neighbors weren't as enthusiastic. It's no. in Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine not. They didn't like it. Um, not on my front porch. Yeah, well, and, and for slightly racist reasons, too, because the commune would accept pretty much anybody, um, anybody who had a drug problem. And so they were like, we don't want those inner city druggies coming. And I'm like, it's anyone can, anyone can be in that. There are so many... Do you know how much blow there is on the west side oh being done by like the west side is white blow. wealthy people? They aren't like... actual beaches; it's just blow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sand. There's no sand. Just blow. Originally, and the reason that in this movie trailer it lists that they all live in a house together is because it used to revolve around a two-year residential program. So most. Oh, wow. So you had to be there for two years? Two years. So That's a long time. Rehab typically these days is anywhere from 30 days, mm-hmm. 60 days, 90 days to six months if you've got like real extreme shit to work like, through. And awesome insurance because it's super it's expensive. Su- well, this was super expensive as well. I'm sure it was. Um, even for the time. Yeah. Um, but two years, that's unheard of. That's so long. That's so long. Um, Patients were required to live on site until they reached recovery. So two years, basically. But here's the thing. They had a heavy rate of recidivism because they never learned to live 
outside, outside of that world. and cope with their addiction. Yeah. yeah. So um, they used a technique called attack therapy. <laughs> Sounds I feel lovely. Like, <laughs> I feel like we briefly brought up attack therapy on another episode, but for the life of me, I don't remember which one it was. It feels familiar, but I also don't recall. So the way attack therapy works is they would sit in a circle like a normal group therapy that we would think of. And you can say whatever you want. So you yell at people, you talk about whatever has, like, made you upset that day, you talk about what you hate about the other people in the group, anything goes. So a lot of cults from this period, and then even some today, still use attack therapy. So what you're saying is I could be sitting in a circle and bitching incessantly and it's acceptable it's not only acceptable it's encouraged i'll get where to do i sign up <laughs> right there's some more uh info and rules about it but some of the people that use it today so scientology famously had um an instance of musical chairs that was very very similar to this so attack therapy in scientology is pretty common landmark landmark forum uses a, a, a kind of varied version of attack therapy interesting yeah so they would express and often shout their frustrations at each other. Uh, it was a way to hash out everything that bothered you about others in the group and in the process learn about yourself because people would shout things at you that you maybe didn't necessarily know. Yeah, I don't want that part. I just want to be able to yell at everyone else. Well, that's the thing. So uh, one of the things that's been cited as a problem with attack therapy is that it only works if you have high self-esteem. Mm, because okay. a person with high self-esteem will receive a critique, like someone's yelling at them, and they'll either complete, completely disregard it, or they'll ask themselves, do I think this applies to me? Because they consider their version of themselves to be the highest standard for truth. And if they think that, yes, maybe it may be true, then they'll improve it. So if you have a high self-esteem, it could potentially work. It's not the most beneficial, but roundabout it could. But you have low self-esteem, then anything anyone shouts at you becomes true. Hmm. So it just breaks people. It's really horrible. Like, it's one of those things that, like, no, like, no card-carrying therapist would advise this these days. It doesn't sound effective. It's not very effective at all. So uh, they referred to it as the game. So (sighs) Fun. Yeah. Yeah. the key about the game is, and you could win the game. There were strategies to it. How you, does one win? You could lie. Uh, about what? I mean. Anything. But like, okay, just keep explaining. So <laughs> let's say you're a sociopath. Okay. And you're in this kind of group therapy. Okay. You could just make shit up. And now you're causing somebody else to have a breakdown. And you're. But what's the objective? You just don't have a breakdown? I mean. In so, it was interesting. I read kind of varying accounts where they're like, no, the goal is to have a breakdown. I'm like, that's not great. In theory, you could argue that by lying, you were helping the other people there. Uh, Rod Jansen, uh, he was the author of uh, a tell-all synonym book at the time. So he actually kind of liked... So it's it's the book is kind of weird where it's half like, yeah, this is a little troubling, but damn, does it work? Like, it's just, yeah, you know, people in the 60s weren't really sure about a lot of this stuff. So um, he says the game would start with questions like the most boring person in this circle is. 
And then you would just get to shout who you thought was boring. Sounds like a great drinking game. I mean, if you want to ruin friendships. Yeah. Um, Drinking is for. Yeah. Or like what pissed you off the most this week? But they all live together. So it's it's like. It was inevitably something someone else did. It's a house meeting. It's a house meeting with roommates who are all addicted to blow. Fuck. (laughs) It's fucked up. And they can't have it. So they're all pissed. (laughs) Yeah. They're all. (laughs) The only things. um, No alcohol was allowed, but smoking was. So they could That's all smoke. That's like normal rehab. That was it, yeah. Or current, I guess. Yeah, current rehab. Uh, the game could last anywhere from 1 to 48 hours. What? Two days. That's like labor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it was one of those things where it was like, no wonder people had fucking mental breakdowns. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, at first, many found the game positive, but it walked a dangerous line because, yeah, as no I shit. said, if you're not suited for that kind of interaction therapy, it does way more harm than good. And instantaneously. In 1961, Chuck Diedrich spent a month in jail for operating a hospital without a license. (laughs) He was weird. Pretty guilty of that one. Um, Unfortunately, that seemed to unite the group and it kind of made him a martyr where they were like, they don't understand his therapy. So it's kind of similar to Jim Jones and his fear of the press or L. Ron Hubbard's tax issues where he's like, they don't understand what we do. They don't know how good we are. So it's this kind of like us versus them mentality that kind of galvanized the group into a tighter knit group than they already were. In the 1960s, as we saw in that film uh, trailer from 1965, the Synodon House became a hangout for celebrities and guest speakers. Like who? Leonard Nimoy. Okay. Who has come up on another cult um, because Westboro picketed his funeral. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ray Bradbury. Okay. Jane Fonda. Okay. Milton Berle. Okay. Carlton Heston. Okay. And Twilight Zone's Rod Sterling. Huh. Yeah. Cool figure. LSD pioneer Tim Leary. Hmm. Mm-hmm. A senator and the current governor of California, Jerry Brown Jr. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, in his defense, uh, he was a young man at the time. He was visiting with his father. He was like a kid. <laughs> so How young? Um, like early teens because oh, okay. he's he's roughly our parents age okay and my mom in 1965 would have been about six yeah so at, my mom was at most four. yeah at most he is he was maybe 11 or 12 okay 13 yeah so they would throw a ton of musicians where a lot a, a ton of parties where the musicians who were patients would play because That's they had a fun. ton of rock musicians that were trying to kick coke and heroin habits so they would have them play concerts for celebrities who would come to the house synanon at the time claimed an 80 to 100 percent success rate that's a lie yeah it's impossible others wanted to try and learn from their techniques those numbers were very very false (laughs) um people relapsed a lot because they they that's what happens yeah they weren't learning any life skills so those statistics obviously super false 80 to 100 percent I mean, like, that's literally no one relapsing. No, that's some bullshit. I mean, even the best treatment center's numbers are something like 50%. You know, just... I don't even think they're that... I thought the, like, best were, like, 17%. That wouldn't surprise me at all, either. It's pretty low. Um, But these numbers got them multiple offers for government contracts and grants. Well, yeah. Yeah. So they turned all those offers down because it would have required them to submit to independent studies of their organization that would have included verification of those numbers yeah so they they were like no we're good um but at the time i mean most of the forbes 
500 mm-hmm. were donating to Synanon as their charity. Oh, wow. Yeah. So basically every big company was donating to them. That influx of private cash was used to start buying land in Marin County. Oh, Marin. I love Marin. Just north of San Francisco. Over 3,000 acres in total, eventually making them the largest private property owner in the county. Wow. Yeah. In 1960. Serious donations then. Dude. Like, I'll, I have actual number <laughs> figures in about two seconds. Ooh, it's I'm gonna, excited. It's going to trouble you. Oh. <laughs> this is, I mean, other than Scientology, whose assets are debatable mm-hmm. as to their actual, you know, number, this is probably one of the richest wow. cults we've encountered to a troubling degree. So in 1967, uh, Chuck Diedrich purchased Club Casa del Mar Hotel in Santa Monica. So it's on the pier. Like, we could go walk through it right now if you want. It's like, still, probably not right now. It's still open? <laughs> well, so it's back to being a hotel. Originally, it's back to being a hotel. Originally, it was built as a hotel in 1926. Then it was used by the Army in World War II. And then Sinan took it over for about 30 years. And then now it has been converted back into a hotel. What's it called now? Um, I believe it's called Club Casa del Mar again. And is, is it on ocean? Um, Ave? I believe it is on ocean because it literally faces the water. Yeah, then it. Yeah. Or is it on pier? I don't know. We'll find it. We'll go. That's like. Yeah. I mean, we could be there in five minutes. It's it's re- it's a really cool looking hotel. It looks like it belongs on. It looks like it belongs in Atlantic City. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of cool hotel it looks yeah, yeah. like. Um and. It's interesting because you look at pictures of it now and it looks a lot kind of like it did in the 20s where they've mm-hmm. really kind of tried to preserve it. I but like the that. pictures from the time when Synanon lived there, it's almost unrecognizable. It's kind oh, of really? crazy. Yeah. Well, and, and so essentially it became like a residence for their Santa Monica community. Yeah. Do you have pictures of it? It's on. Yeah. It's on Ocean Way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Huh. Exactly. So due to the secretly high relapse rate, uh, Chuck Diedrich concluded that Synanon members should never graduate. What? Because, quote, full recovery was impossible. So they should never leave. So it's Hotel... Exactly. It's like Hotel California instead of whatever they... Um, There are rumors that this is what that song was about. (gasps) Oh, I'm so good. <laughs> so there are a lot of rumors about that song. Some people think it's about the Church of Satan and, and that it's about hell. No, I think it's about this and that I'm just This genius. actually makes a ton more sense to me. Um, oh, that's pretty. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, wow. Some people have also, in fact, I want to say one of the members of the Eagles was like, no, it's about fame, which also makes sense to me, too. So, yeah, that makes sense, too. Yeah. Um, but this... It is gorgeous. We are looking at photos yeah. oh, right now. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> Um, but this specifically, I mean, very, you can check in anytime you want, but you can't can't ever leave. leave. Yeah. (laughs) Creepy. So around the same time, Synanon began to sell promotional items and hold fundraising festivals and giveaways, which accounted for roughly $10 million a year by around 1970. That's so much money now. And and then that's I know like, exactly how much money it is now. Oh, good. I yeah. love when I love these. Conversions. So in today's money, that would be sixty three million six hundred thirteen thousand one hundred forty four dollars and thirty three cents a year and thirty three cents. Yeah. So that compounds every year. How much is that in 1920s money? 
Like $15. (laughs) (laughs) So this I actually did some pretty fun research on. And I saved it in my eBay, but I think somebody else sold it. There are posters from this time period of Synanon events that were giving away free 1964 Mustangs. I, I want a 1964 Playboy. It's Playboy Pink, I think is the official name of the color. Okay. Mustang. Ooh. It's so fucking cute. Anyway. It's kind of like, I would have not hot pink, but like. Like Barbie pink. Yes. I would have joined Synanon to get, <laughs> to get well, that Mustang. Part of the reason I found this is, so my house was built in the 1960s, specifically 1964. And yes, that is it. So, uh, what Armando was showing you is the eBay ad that I have saved, which is a poster for Synanon that when I someday have slightly more money than I do now. How much I, is it? It's like 120 bucks. That's more than I want to spend. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> fuck. But it's one of those things where I was like, oh, fuck, I want that. And then if we ever get an office for the show, then I will put it up in there. Did I it already know. sell? 150 and it's 50% off. 150 oh, and it's 50% off? Yeah. Guys, if you love us, <laughs> if you love us, send us the Synanon poster. Send us a Synanon poster. Or if you have a Synanon poster laying in your garage. Give it to us. It's very cool. <laughs> well, yeah, it's super, super cool. Uh, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I like need this on my wall. Very, yeah. very cool looking. If you send us that, we'll, we'll say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, but it's clearly, it's it, this is a cult that definitely understood the value of cool. Yeah. I mean, so you've got celebrities hanging out with them. You've got musicians playing private concerts. You've got super cool posters. You've got giveaways of one of the hottest cars at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this cult was on top of it. Yes. As far as recruitment goes. Yes. Good marketing. I actually found, um, there was a guy in my research who had worked with them in marketing. Oh. Yeah, who who never joined. He was one of the few non-members that they allowed to work with them in marketing. And he basically said, he's like, I've been trying to write a book for years on what they would do. He's like, how to market like a cult, because they were amazing. He should yeah. absolutely write that book. What is he I waiting want for? To write th- I, like, I want to read that book. Yeah, me so too. So like, dude, if you finish that book, like, please It'd be really let me good know. for our show. <laughs> it would be amazing. It would be super good. So, Yeah. So there we go. So that's actually a really cool poster also. Let me see. Yeah. I like the other one better. I do too because it's brighter. But This is post- more like black tie. I would still like either one. Their logo is even cool. Mm-hmm. Like their logo looks like the logo for a record label. Yes. In the 60s. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I, it, it was one of those things where they would have gotten me on the cool factor. <laughs> it's, it's problematic. Um. So at this point. Mid to late 60s, even non-addicts wanted in. So the cult changed its mission statement to include research into the causes of alienation and delinquency. So basically anyone who ever felt alienated. So throw a rock, literally anybody. Mm -hmm. So children born into Synanon or brought in by parents seeking treatment were raised communally and educated in Synanon schools. Like every cult. Yeah, like every cult. I mean, it happens a lot. So once children were nine months old, their parents might only see them once or twice a week. What? Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. Um, Many juvenile offenders were sentenced 
to Synanon through California's court system. Oh, wow. So if you, you know, were caught smoking pot, you could find yourself essentially sentenced to... The coolest party ever. The the coolest cult party ever. Um, In 1968, they established a new type of member, the Lifestyler, where they were allowed to live outside the, the commune and have jobs on the outside, provided they gave most of their income to the organization. Oh, God. So... Up to this point, this cult has a lot of money. They're treating some people maybe not the best possible way that they could. But overall, they're not making too many waves, but they're super popular. Now, in the 1970s, and it just says in my notes here, so I must have noticed this while I was making these notes, I just now found out that the guy running culteducationinstitute.com is named Rick Ross. I know it's not the rapper Rick Ross, but I damn well like to think it is. Hey, he was a CO. Thanks, history page. Oh, that's true. He was a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't he a parole officer? Yes. Yeah. Maybe. He is. Rick Ross, if you're really into cults, holla, yeah. holla at us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I... Huh. No. <gasps> there you oh, go. There you go. Yeah. All right. You need to be a fat man. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> it's tough with the no gluten. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, in the 1970s, the cult took on the drastic practice of requiring all of its members to shave their heads as a sign of solidarity to the cause of sobriety. I'm out. <laughs> Me too. Like, I wouldn't even let Armando take a picture of me in a fucking ponytail. You think I'm really going to shave my head? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm taking my cool poster and I'm going home. <laughs> and my Mustang. And my Mustang. Because I won. So while we are all at this point out <laughs> because of the head shaving, whoa, 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 whoa. are you still in? I looked pretty good with my head shaved. Okay, fine. Armando's still in. You did not look bad with a shaved no. head. That was not a bad look for you. Uh, for me... No, no, you're going to find out that my whole head is as fat as the rest of me. (laughs) That's really bad. Um, But this came in handy in 1970 for George Lucas, the director of Star Wars, because at the time he was filming one of his first films, THX 1138. So he needed needed a bunch of bald people. He needed multiple extras with shaved heads for the sci-fi dystopian film. And we are going to watch that trailer right now. Oh, Yes. All Earth Council, in its infinite wisdom, has decided these two numbers are to be disposed of. The Biochemical Forum has demands to make on their parts, however, before they are eliminated. That's the kind of efficiency that makes you proud to live in this era. Are we happy and effective? Consultation with leading experts in the field makes it perfectly clear, perfectly clear, that we are all now programmed for perfect happiness, perfect happiness, perfect happiness, perfect happiness. Delivery, we're correct. Are they all right? What did they do to you? 
There are, of course, occasional technical or electronic errors in programming and or surveillance which produce perverse exceptions. I'm going to have a child. First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages, then they begin touching, then indulging in various sexual acts, and the ultimate perversion, love. For such extreme psychobiological misfunction, only isolation will do. Despite rumors to the contrary, it should be made perfectly clear, perfectly clear, perfectly clear. There have been no, repeat, no unprogrammed departures, no pursuits. All right, so we're back. Uh, how many shaved heads did we see in that? A lot. Like and a million. Also, I thought it was interesting because you were saying how the people were being racist and like, oh, I don't want, you know, those inner city druggies or whatever they said there i saw one person of color yeah there was all (laughs) white people um apparently he had trouble filling all the roles because actresses weren't really willing to shave their heads yeah no shit so the lead actress i believe is the only non-synonym woman in the film okay yeah so now that it was filled with both lifestylers and rehab um Patients and people who had been ordered to Synanon for rehab by the Mm -hmm. state. It became a more experimental society. Okay. As opposed to just rehab community. So the leader, Charles Diedrich, at the time said, This is the kind of revolution that moved the world from Judaism to Catholicism to Protestantism to Synanism. Nope. This is a total revolution game. No. Mm Mm-hmm. Homeboy's crazy. That's some Jim Jones shit. Yes, it is. Yep. Mm -hmm. Delusions of grandeur. So two years later, uh, he requested that all children be moved to the Marin facility away from their parents. I moved to have all children in my neighborhood moved to to, to a a faraway location. (laughs) It's also interesting to note that, um, so Skywalker Ranch is in Marin as well. Where? Hidden. It's on, it's on Skywalker Ranch Road. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't anyway. know Marin had so many cult ties. I know. Oh, there's also yeah, there's a lot up there. I mean, San Francisco. It's it's close to San Francisco. Oh, I know. Fucking weird ass place. That yeah. sourdough gets you wild. <laughs> that sourdough is what I miss the most. I know. Well, it's 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 well, it's really good. It's different from anywhere else. Like I can buy sourdough here; doesn't even taste the same. It's like yeah, I grew up eating like real sourdough. And I cannot get it here. And when I go home, I like eat it until I'm just made of bread. Yeah. So it's like uh, it's like how people from LA have weed, and then you guys have sourdough bread. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting. There's a difference in the yeast in the air up there, which actually changes the way the bread rises and bakes. Hmm. More you know. Yeah, the weed thing is just the difference in the Mexicans in the air. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like this has been two episodes of, in a row of Paige has weird baking knowledge. <laughs> no, but baking, baking knowledge is impressive because baking, as I've said in, in another episode where we discussed baking. Oh, that's right. The, it uh, is it, a science. It is a science. I think we talked about an aggressive Christianity. It was because they were making bread. Because and, and they you were like, how that bread. bread though? Yeah, how that bread though? I am impressed with people who can bake. It's it's fun. I can't do it, so. 
Yeah. You know. This got on a weird tangent. Anyway, <laughs> so he sent all the children away. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> but uh, a lot of people didn't like that because they're like, it's my kid, bro. And look, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be fine, and it'll be quiet here. <laughs> no, and and that was really why he did it. Is he he didn't like children? <laughs> he didn't. He he honestly he didn't like children, and was like, "How about they be not where I am?" <laughs> I mean, so far this guy and I have a lot in common. <laughs> he's a dr- he's a drunk with a plan. Well, I guess that's not really me. I guess I just mean he likes Mustangs and not children. That's true. He likes Mustangs, (laughs) not children. He's down to let people film film noirs in his house. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't sound that bad. (laughs) Again, (laughs) it's Armando. sounding a lot like Armando. Yeah. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) He's willing to lend people his bald friends for movies. Yeah. Borrow a baldy. Um, I firmly believe I'll be one of those mothers that loves my own child to the end of the earth but is like look honey you don't need play dates <laughs> sleepovers are overrated <laughs> just have more than one so they play with each other yeah they'll be just fine. kidding that's not how that works my sister and I fought for years really <laughs> yeah like physically fought I was an only child and I rode an invisible horse named tombstone around the living room and kitchen in a circle until I passed out every day oh my god this explains so goddamn much <laughs> I had one person clubs that I'd build forts for. I got to be the middle child and the only child because my parents are separated. That's right. So I was just all around. I just need attention. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one time Erin stabbed me with a house key and I chucked a remote at her head. Yeah. And then she slapped me and then I tried to like javelin throw a broomstick at her and instead hit the coffee pot. Um, We're friends now. Yeah, you guys are close now. Yeah, one time I kicked a shoe at her and missed and put a dent in the ceiling. How What? How fucking hard did you kick that shoe? And how heavy was that shoe? I mean, you know the 90s when we had those big platform (laughs) sneakers? Okay, yes. Spice Girl shoes, as I called them. I'm going to say that I had some pretty sweet calf strength to really launch that thing. Yeah, it's impressive. I know. You're welcome. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. He didn't like children. Um, so he wanted them all sent away, but about 20% of the members left at this point where they were like, you ain't taking my kids. I and mean, then just, that's like, the responsible left. thing. Yeah, to for do. real. Uh, all Sinanon communities were previously considered drug free, save for aspirin, caffeine, and nicotine. And for Diedrich, drum roll, LSD. <laughs> that's not a thing in yeah. rehab. Mm-hmm. Was it only for him, or could could the people do it, too? I think it was mainly only for him. He considered it beneficial. Okay. But a couple people noted that he didn't have any typical symptoms. So they, they wondered that if potentially... His microdosing. Microdosing, potentially if his previous level of addiction gave him a level of tolerance that most people wouldn't have. Probably. Because, yeah, like, he didn't hallucinate... Um, it's kind of, I don't know, like, I don't do acid, but I have heard from many people who do that current acid is more what they call, like, party acid, where you, you it's like Molly, where you kind of just, you well, know. didn't they, wasn't the original intention to be used as a treatment for... It's MK Ultra is what it was originally developed for, yeah. Interesting. So it was originally developed for mind control. I thought By it was CIA. used... 
And now it's used because the flaming lips are awesome. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be for a, like a like an actual treatment. No. To help with They're trying to do it now. Yeah, now now oh. it's being examined as an actual treatment. There's a lot of studies that show that microdosing actually really, really does help with certain especially like schizophrenia i think they that's what i thought okay it, it really so i'm really not helps. totally off base here no you're not totally off that's what they're looking at it for now originally it was developed by the cia yeah interesting it's it's, it's messed up if you ever want to see uh our country do some really terrible stuff to their own people mk ultra it's not good yeah go down that wikipedia rabbit hole it's not good project paperclip essentially after world war ii we snagged a lot of the scientists from Germany and snagged their research mm-hmm. and continued the experiments. Fun! Yeah, it's not good. Um, this is like a fair warning. Before you do it, it'll ruin your life. It will ruin you. It's very disturbing information. Um, oh, LSD. No. No, no, no. The, the researching, oh, the re- yeah, researching yeah. MK Ultra, um, well, But also LSD. But also LSD. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they. I, I mean, mean, I I would say in companion with researching MK Ultra, uh, also listen to the Dollops episode on eugenics because they go hand in hand, actually. So there was a time not too long ago in our country where it was totally okay to sterilize dumb people. Why well, don't? I mean, <laughs> the problem is. <laughs> She's like, but I mean, though. <laughs> Um, well, I don't like kids. I don't like dummies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really don't dislike children as much as I say, and I don't think dumb people should be. I don't dislike kids as much as I say. <laughs> well, the problem with sterilizing dumb people is that they have no choice in the matter. So essentially, you're exercising autonomy over somebody else as if they're not a person. Now, yeah, again, I, yeah. I <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Well, and other people could commit you, and then yeah, no, I don't really think this is a good idea. Whether or not you were smart enough to keep your bits, right? Yeah, no, I don't actually (laughs) think this is a good idea. Just playing great devil's advocate. Yeah. Hey, how many times have people walked into your store and you've been like, "Man, I hope you didn't reproduce." At least once a day. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) But yeah, but I mean. I can't governmentally mandate that. Fine. You're welcome. (laughs) And this has been Conspiracy Corner. So, uh, (laughs) in the 1970s, uh, apart from LSD, they banned smoking for everyone. You can't do that to junkies. No, you can't. (laughs) That shit's not cool. Real fucking bad. Uh, so it's it's no surprise that that's also right around when the physical abuse started. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. They have nothing left. Need the fucking smokes. Yeah. Um, so uh, it started reportedly when a woman spoke critically of Diedrich's wife during the group therapy, and uh, which was allowed. You could criticize yeah. anybody, and he poured a can of soda on her as revenge. Oh. But that was the first time that anyone had acted out physically during the group therapy. Okay. So. At that point, beatings became commonplace in the game. So now, anyone who spoke out against Synanon or anybody who spoke out against people during the group meeting, people could just beat the shit out of you. So 
one survivor from the cult had this to say. As a former member of Synanon, my experience still haunts me to this day. I witnessed a beating that took place there because a member tried to leave on his motorcycle, which Synanon said was their motorcycle. <laughs> we were assembled in a hall, and as three men held this individual while two others beat him bloody. Oh it shocked me and scared me, scared me so badly. I remember the words they said in that hall. If anybody says anything, we will find you and we will kill you. I escaped less than a week later. Wow. Yeah. Um, so teens who were sentenced by Synanon by the courts were frequent targets of this abuse. Of course. Um, there are stories of them being like tied up, like outside in the cold or just constantly beaten. It's really horrible. Uh, in 1974, they were facing some IRS troubles, as many cults with $63 million a year <laughs> do. So they moved to become a religion. They were granted a tax exemption, but they were never fully recognized as a religion. Ten years later, they were stripped of the tax exemption. As the 1970s wore on, uh, Diedrich became less and less concerned with having any children around or involved in Synanon at all. <laughs> Fucking hated those kids. He really did. Uh, so he told followers that if they wanted to have children, they should leave, saying, quote, Oh my god. From what I understand, it's more like crap in a football than anything else. <laughs> Crapping... <laughs> A football. See, he keeps losing me and then winning me back. No, no, I know. It was one of those things where I read through all his quotes and I was like, oh my god. Crapping. He sounds like a football. This guy, this guy just said, like, I feel like it's Norm McDonald. The more, the more that I hear from him, I'm like, this is one of our friends at the store. Like, this is a guy at the comedy store who's like. I mean, really, it's just crap in a football. Why would you do that to your career? Like, it's just a horrible person. Oh, man. As I understand, it's more crap. More like crapping a football than anybody. And it says crapping. Like, right. I, it was, in quotes, crapping. And I was like, man. Crapping a football. Stone Cold G. Um, wow. Men were pressured into vasectomies. <laughs> Women were shamed and pressured into getting abortions. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, it was real rough. Um, his wife, Diedrich's wife, Betty, died in 1977. And after that, all bets were off and things got shitballs crazy. Yeah, I bet. So in 1978, they started stockpiling weapons. Good. As, you know what? <laughs> so here we go. So we got a drunk with ideas who fucking hates children, thinks it's just crapped out footballs, and just wants a fuck ton of guns. This is if Texas became a cult. Oh my God. We have so many Texas listeners. <laughs> I know. I love you, Texas. I'm, I'm dating one of yours. That's it, true. You can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is bigger in Texas, including the fan base. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty true. Yeah, they're, they're one of our largest. We do that's have a lot of yeah, yeah. Huge concentration in Texas. Yeah. There's almost as many in Texas as there are in like Australia and the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. Go figure. Um, can I just no? No, I can't. Yeah, Continue. you can. Go no. for it. <laughs> well, if we're gonna talk about Texas, yeah, go for it. I just have to say because it was stuck in my head yesterday. Okay. And it's stuck in my head now. You'll only know what this is if you watch the same terrible television I do. <laughs> this uh, came up earlier. I heard he gets his dick sucked at the roundup. <laughs> and I know the boys who did it. <laughs> I wish that was in that Synanon movie. It's my favorite line. It's my favorite line. Um, well done, Texas. Continue. <laughs> 
that's that was Real Housewives of Dallas. Real Housewives of Dallas. That was Leanne Locken. <laughs> I love her. I love you, Leanne. I love you. Leanne. She's the best housewife ever. Doesn't Atlanta, is, like, I want to say Real Housewives of Atlanta had one named Phaedra, who was a lawyer. Phaedra She's Parks, like, yes. yes. Attorney Phaedra. at law, as well as a mortician. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I love, Phaedra, Phaedra fucked up last season and ended up getting fired, but I believe, she, I Wait, believe. Her job. She, <laughs> from the show. Oh, oh, oh. No, like, from the show. I was like, what was she doing with the bodies? She made up a lie that one of the <laughs> house... Whoops, wrong briefcase. <laughs> she made up a lie that one of the housewives raped one of the other housewives. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, it was just a lapse in judgment. I believe she can come back. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant the rape. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. The rape did not happen. Okay, okay. I was like, no, a lasting judgment on Phaedra's part. Okay. I believe in her and she okay. can come back. She can apologize and she can come back. I mean. No one was hurt. If you watched the show, you'd understand. I mean, I think the question on all of our minds is. No one was raped. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, was she sucking dicks at the roundabout? Roundup. <laughs> Roundup. Sorry. He gets his dick sucked at the roundup, and I know the boys who did it. Oh my god, that's fantastic! Where, where is this roundup? You say? <laughs> Honda's like, I got a free couple hours after this. Whoa! <laughs> um. So they started stockpiling weapons. Uh, <laughs> Holy transition! Yeah, you're welcome. There's a lot of tangents tonight. That's I'm one, sorry. That's one of my favorite things to do is come back from a tangent and be like, yeah, that's how they killed kids. <laughs> right? Uh, so, members who tried to escape or former members trying to rescue children or other members were savagely beaten. Um, one man even ended up in a coma for a week. Yeah. After trying to res- rescue his up. daughter. So, in 1978, NBC aired an expose and the network and executives received thousands of threatening letters. Wow. Yeah. So they were forcing <clears throat> cult members to send threatening letters, being like, we're not being abused. Sign it. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. That's what they do in aggressive Christianity, too. Yeah. That's where uh, Jim Jones made people mm-hmm. write letters that were like, I am not being abused. In fact, I was abusing people. If <laughs> I ever say anything mean about Jim Jones, reference this letter. Um, Case File actually did a really good episode on that section of, of Jonestown. So they constantly sued anyone who spoke out against them, just like Scientology. Every, it's yeah. very common, super common. Um, which brings us to the rattlesnake. So at this point, people were pretty ro- pretty wise to what was happening in Synanon. A lot of people had started pulling their funding. The cult was kind of spiraling. And one woman claimed that Synanon had held her against her will, sued them, and they won. So she won. Court case went through. Her lawyer, Paul Morantz, lived here in Pacific Palisades. Stop. And one day he arrived home to his house where he opened his mailbox to find a rattlesnake with the rattle removed. The snake bit him. Thankfully, his neighbors heard the screaming and called 911. And he lived after multiple surgeries and transfusions. Like, it was a close call. He almost did not make it. Yeah. 
So 20-year-old Lance Kenton and 28-year-old Joseph Molsko were charged with attempted murder, and Diedrich was charged with conspiracy to commit, but was not sentenced to any jail time. Why? I do not know. Probably because so many people in the courts had used Synanon to send sure. people to. Um, if you're interested, Paul Morantz actually has a series of videos on YouTube where he talks about his experience researching Synanon for the case that they won, and then the experiences afterwards in his case against them following the rattlesnake incident. Wow. What year was that? 1978. Okay. So if you're wondering, if you're keeping track, so... THX 1138, 1970. Mm-hmm. So seven years later, Star Wars comes out. Star Wars A New Hopes comes out. 78, Rattlesnake. So the cult went from being featured in a movie mm-hmm. to fucking putting rattlesnakes in mailboxes in seven years. That's a bitter ex-girlfriend. Yes, it is. Did lost his wife? He, oh, well, she died. Oh, yeah, she died. She died. I hear it was a snake. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I, don't, I think it was cancer if I remember correctly the snake of diseases <laughs> the snake of the medicine world uh, following the court trial the cult suffered from bad press can't imagine why from bad breath? press oh. <laughs> yeah from eating all okay. those snakes <laughs> from halitosis continue yeah. bad press um, bad breath will get you bad press though uh, this is true uh, attendance dwindled into the 1980s and early 90s, and it disbanded completely after Dietrich's death in 1997, except for one piece of the cult. Oh, no. So during its time in the 1970s and 80s, the cult had started founding a series of schools called Sea-Doo Schools. They're therapeutic schools. And those still exist. Do they do the uh, attack therapy? They do indeed. So this, just this week, so if you are listening to this on Sunday, this past Wednesday, or Monday, sorry, this past Wednesday, a story came out. It's actually a four-part story. They're on part number three, so part four has not come out yet. We'll probably have to do it on a mini episode. Um, From a girl, a blogger, detailing her time in this school. Yeah. Oh, do you want to know when she went to high school? It was when we did. I had a feeling. I could see the look on your face. It was the same time we did. Yeah. You did? Not you. All three of us? Just me. How old are you? 21. Yeah. What? <laughs> I like that this is just coming out now. You're a child. <laughs> You're going to get sent to Marin. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, win me a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sea-Doo Therapeutic bowling, uh, Boarding Schools. So, this blogger detailed her time in a Sea-Doo school as well as a wilderness therapeutic school. Now, surprisingly, I actually kind of knew about these because when I was in high school, there was a TV show about wilderness boarding schools on ABC Family that I was mildly obsessed with. What was it called? Higher Ground. Oh, Did no. you ever watch Higher Ground? I was okay. watching Degrassi too much. Gotcha. So <laughs> Higher Ground, uh, I am a card-carrying nerd. Um, Higher Ground starred Hayden Christensen, who would go on to be Anakin Skywalker in the prequels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like teen angst in a TV show form, and uh-huh. it was it portrayed it in the nicest possible light. So a lot of what these schools do is they take people with 
either drug addictions, mood disorders, um, antisocial personality disorders, things that would make high school difficult, or things that would make someone into quote unquote a troubled teen. Literally everything makes high school difficult. (laughs) (laughs) A troubled teen, as Nancy Grace would say. Uh Um, And it basically puts them in the wilderness where they don't really have cell phones, they don't have Wi-Fi, they don't have anything like that. And they're forced to kind of work and maintain a camp and like work together and go on hikes and you know, it's kind of this taking people out of the hustle and bustle in society to kind of recenter people to get them back on track. Okay. Not every one of these schools is terrible. Sure. In fact, the blogger actually went to two different ones. The first one she actually really, really liked. So uh, it was a wilderness therapeutic school. The one thing that I did feel necessary to note, though, uh, is that she said kids were gooned there in the middle of the night. And I was like, what does she what mean does that by mean? this? So her her well what her parents um she was going voluntarily so her parents were like we think this could be good for you um and she agreed to go a lot of kids don't agree to go so their parents hire people to literally kidnap them and take them so these kids would wake up to two strange guys pulling them out of bed dragging them out of the house fully thinking that they're being kidnapped until they see their parents there just letting it happen oh good so they're traumatized too oh yeah like a lot um sounds like a great escape room though i I mean dude for real i'm screaming my head off like a crazy person um and so then... The, More like a sane person. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Because a crazy person would just be like, I'm fine with this. Yeah. Take me. Take Mother, me wherever. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful to see you. Yeah. Uh, so the, the goons, as they called them, would actually fly with the students all the way to the camp, handcuffed to them, and basically drop the kids off at camp. I could be a goon. <laughs> They're like, this is my calling. <laughs> Hurting children, great. Um, I could be a goon. You could. You'd yeah. be a great goon. Yeah. You'd you're, be a good goon. You're like, what, 6'4"? Six, 6'5". Six, God damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could be a goon. Yeah. I don't think I could be a goon. Hit me up, see you <laughs> I love that it also sounds like... Oh, like a jet ski. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I thought. I was it like, like fun. No, like C E D U. Yeah, I was, I was googling, it. <laughs> and I you're looked, spelling you're it. At the, I looked up C E D U school, and they all seemed really fun. And then you clicked on a hiring form <laughs> for goons. <laughs> oh my god. Just learn how to jet ski. <laughs> You're like, well, why is Paige hanging on this shit? It sounds great. Sign me up. <laughs> Got those little waterproof pouches for cell phones. <laughs> it's great. Those are good. Um. So uh, the first few nights that kids were there, they were quote unquote tarped. So <laughs> what they would do is they would put you in your sleeping bag and then they would wrap a tarp around you. So that every time you moved, it made noise. So she she said it was, like, really hard to sleep that way. She's like, but the reason they did it is that that way they could hear you run away. So, like, okay, if you got up to leave... why don't they just put tape on your door, like, uh... Well, there's no doors. You're outside Oh, yeah, you're in the tents. wilderness. Okay. <clears throat> they also, even after you'd been there for a while, they would tarp your shoes. So mm-hmm. at the end of the night, everyone would, like, hand over their shoes. They were only allowed a certain amount of clothes. 
hand over their shoes, and then they would tie them all up in a tarp. So if you wanted to run away, you'd have to do it barefoot or retrieve your shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Um, so she said she actually liked the program. Uh, you had to hike six to eight miles a day. Mm. Deal breaker. Yeah. She really liked it. She felt like she'd grown a lot, but when she thought she was about to go home and graduate, she wasn't. Her parents sent her to the Monarch Academy in Montana. Oh, no. Monarch School. It's in Heron, Montana. It costs more than most colleges to attend. So her parents spent more sending her to Monarch than my parents sent spending sending me to college. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, they were forced to clean commercial grease traps for being late to breakfast. Ugh. They had no, re- no relationships were allowed, so you couldn't date anybody. Could you have friends? Sort of. Um, one, one friend that she had was not allowed to smile or laugh for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, one time she wasn't allowed to ask questions for two weeks. I mean, all those things are great for reducing fine lines and wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) You know how questions be giving you those crow's feet. Yeah. Just imagine her. You will tell me where breakfast is. Just having to phrase it in statements. It's like the opposite of Jeopardy. (laughs) Uh, they were required to make lists of negative attributes and negative traits that they themselves had, and then they would spend time berating themselves and others. So it's attack therapy, again. But group time was free space. Just roast battle? Yeah, well, no, roast battle's more fun. Yeah, well. I you're mean, allowed to laugh. Yeah, you're allowed to laugh. Roast battle's a little more creative. Like, I don't think anyone is, is like trying out puns during group therapy. I think they're just like, you're a fat ass, not like, you're like what lasagna would look like if it was a person. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's not, yeah. Sorry. That's all right. But a group was free space outside of the group. There was no... You couldn't have... Talk about your crushes on people. You couldn't swear. You couldn't basically have any sort of fraternization. But in group, you could say whatever you wanted. Even I have a crush on you. Fuck you. You're... <laughs> I have a crush on you. You're fat. God damn it. I hate you. Um, So at one point they were paired off to push and occasionally struggle physically against each other. So they were literally inciting fights at a a certain point. Jesus. They did something called the slap exercise (laughs) where they basically set people up in in sets of two and they're like, you're going to slap the other person. And then the other person's going to slap you back. What does that, what therapeutic benefit? And they counted down where they're like, at, you know, at when I get to one, you guys are going to do it. And then right before they got to it, they were like, never mind, we're not going to do it. But remember that feeling. But some Ew. kids missed it and jumped the gun and <laughs> totally slapped the other person. I shouldn't laugh. That's really mean. <gasps> They'd be like three. <laughs> oh, sorry. He was, was I supposed to wait. <laughs> he was a dick. We're in group. I can say it. Yeah. No, Kyle, you can't slap me back. They said stop. <laughs> they said stop. Uh, so full-blown physical labor um, to maintain the, the school and the camp. That that was basically the requirement. Um, it was a lot of, like, forestry, tending to horses, farm labor, things like that. Um, isolation was super common. They would ban people from activities like smiling, dessert, or talking to friends. They would give you, like, an isolation spot in the dining hall where you would have to sit by yourself and you couldn't look at other people. I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's where I would be sitting anyway. Yeah. Um, the more trouble you were in, the more you would work outside, often in temperatures below freezing. Ew. Yeah. Good students only worked about eight hours a week. Okay. Which is very fair. Uh, students. <laughs> oh, a week, a week, a week. A week, a week. 
Students in moderate trouble would work more like 24 hours a week, often in solitaire. Like, solitary. They, like, with by themselves in the forest digging up stumps and stuff. Um, <laughs> students in a lot of trouble would be pulled out of class to work full-time. Like, literally full-time. So you're supposed to be in school. You're supposed to be in school. And you're not because you're literally chopping down trees. Mm-hmm. Like, you're working. She said people would get hurt and they would deny them medical care because they didn't want to have to explain to the hospital how, like, a 16-year-old had been badly injured working in the forest when they should have been in school. Mm-hmm. Um, while on work assignment, students were not allowed to speak to or acknowledge other students. Yeah. It was crazy. That's nuts. Um, so this school closed last month. <laughs> like, literally last month. Oh, wow. September 2017. Yeah. So if you thought that this R. was R. some P. crazy thing in the past, no, last month. And I would highly recommend, it's on uh, Chicago Now, the website, but if you Google, um, the blogger's name is It's Not Okay Cupid, is her blog, okay. and then she's been writing articles for Chicago Now. Cool. Yeah, I would highly recommend reading it, and then I think the next one's supposed to come out next week. Wow. So, yeah. So there you go. Well, that's pretty good. We came a long way from... We came a long way from a drunk man with an idea. <laughs> a drunk man with an idea, and... Cool Mustangs. To yeah. Cool Mustangs. Yeah. Um, crapping footballs. Crapping footballs. This was a journey. This was a huge journey. Yeah. Um, all this to say, don't drink Kool-Aid with mixers in it. <laughs> no, I, I guess Kool-Aid would be your mixer. Kool-Aid huh? is your mixer, yeah. Kool-Aid is your mixer. Don't, don't drink Kool-Aid with LSD in it. <laughs> don't use Kool-Aid as a mixer. In yeah. general. Yeah. I mean, it just tastes nasty. I feel like it probably doesn't. Yeah, you're probably right. Still don't drink it. Yeah, don't drink the Kool-Aid. 